Chapter Forty Four of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Forty Four. Relating how, in the watches of the night, a vision came to Sturk and his eyes were opened. Sturk's triumph was only momentary. He was in ferocious spirits, indeed, over the breakfast-table, and bolted quantities of buttered toast and eggs, swallowed cups of tea, one after the other, and almost at a single gulp, all the time gabbling with a truculent volubility, and every now and then a thump, which made his spoon jingle in his saucer, and poor little Mrs. Sturk start and whisper, Oh, my dear! But after he had done defying and paying off the whole world, and showing his wife, and half convincing himself, that he was the cleverest and finest fellow alive, a letter was handed to him which reminded him, in a dry short way, of those most formidable and imminent dangers that rose up apparently insurmountable before him, and he retired to his study to ruminate again, and chew the cud of a bitter fancy, and to write letters and tear them to pieces. And finally, as was his wont, after hospital hours, to ride into Dublin, to bore his attorney with barren inventions and hopeless schemes of extrication. Stirk came home that night with a hangdog and jaded look, and taciturn and half desperate. But he called for whiskey and drank a glass of that cordial, and brewed a jug of punch in silence, and swallowed glass after glass, and got up a little, and grew courageous and flushed, and prated away, rather loud and thickly, with a hiccup now and then, and got to sleep earlier than usual. Somewhere among the small hours of the night, he awoke suddenly, recollecting something. "'I have it!' cried Sturk, with an oath, and an involuntary kick at the footboard that made his slumbering housemaid bounce. "'What is it, Barney, dear?' squalled she, diving under the bedclothes, with her heart in her mouth. "'It's like a revelation!' cried Sturk, with another oath, and that was all Mrs. Sturk heard of it for some time. But the surgeon was wide awake, and all alive about it, whatever it was. He sat straight up in the bed, with his lips energetically compressed, and his eyebrows screwed together, and his shrewd hard eyes rolling thoughtfully over the curtains, in the dark, and now and then an ejaculation of wonder, or a short oath, would slowly rise up and burst from his lips, like a great bubble from the fermentation. Sturk's brain was in a hubbub, he had fifty plans, all jostling and clamoring together, like a nursery of unruly imps. Take me! No, take me! No, me! He had been dreaming like mad, and his sensorium was still all alive with the images of fifty phantasmagoria, filled up by imagination and conjecture, and a strange, painfully sharp remembrance of things past, all whirling in a carnival of roistering but dismal riot, masks and dice, laughter, maledictions and drumming, fair ladies, 
tipsy youths mountebanks and assassins tinkling serenades the fatal clang and rattle of the dice-box and long-drawn distant screams there was no more use in stirk's endeavours to reduce all this to order than in reading the riot act to a walpurgis gathering so he sat muttering unconscious ejaculations and looking down as it were from his balcony waiting for the uproar to abate and when the air did clear and cool a little there was just one face that remained impassive and serenely winked before his eyes when things arrived at this stage and he had gathered his recollections about him and found himself capable of thinking being a man of action up he bounced and struck a light vaulted into his breeches hauled on his stockings hustled himself into his roquelaure and candle in hand in slippered feet glided like a ghost downstairs to the back drawing-room which as we know was his study the night was serene and breathless the sky had cleared and the moonlight slept mistily on the soft slopes of the park the landscape was a febrifuge and cooled and quieted his brain as he stood before it at his open window in solitary meditation it was not until his slowly wandering eye lighted on the churchyard with a sort of slight shock that he again bestirred himself there it lay with its white tombstones and its shadows spread under him seeming to say i here i am the narrow goal of all your plans not one of the glimmering memorials you see that does not cover what once was a living world of long-headed schemes checkered remembrances and well-kept secrets here lie your brother plotters all in bond only some certain inches below with their legs straight and their arms by their sides as when grim captain death called the stern word attention with their sightless faces and unthinking foreheads turned up to the moon dr stirk there are lots of places for you to choose among suit yourself here or here or maybe here and so stirk closed the window and remembered his dream and looked out stealthily but sternly from the door which was ajar and shut it sharply and with his hands in his breeches pockets took a quick turn to the window his soul had got into harness again and he was busy thinking then he snuffed the candle and then quickened his invention by another brisk turn and then he opened his desk and sat down to write a note yes said he to himself pausing for a minute with his pen in his fingers tis as certain as that i sit here well he wrote the note there was a kind of smile on his face which was paler than usual all the while and he read it over and threw himself back in his chair and then read it over again and did not like it and tore it up then he thought hard for a while leaning upon his elbow and took a couple of great pinches of snuff and snuffed his candle again and as it were snuffed his wits and took up his pen with a little flourish and dashed off another and read it and liked it and gave it a little sidelong nod as though he said you'll do and indeed considering all the time and thought he spent upon it the composition was no great wonder being after all no more than this dear sir 
will you give me the honor of a meeting at my house this morning as you pass through the town i shall remain within till noon and hope for some minutes private discourse with you your most obedient very humble servant barnabas stirk then he sealed it with a great red seal large enough for a patent almost impressed with the stirk arms a boar's head for crest and a flaunting scroll with dentum fulminium cave upon it then he peeped again from the window to see if the gray of the morning had come for he had left his watch under his bolster and longed for the time of action then upstairs went stirk and so with the note like a loaded pistol over the chimney he popped into bed where he lay awake in agitating rumination determined to believe that he had seen the last of those awful phantoms those greasy bailiffs that smooth smirking formidable attorney and curse him that bilious marshal's deputy with the purplish pimple tinge about the end of his nose and the tops of his cheeks that beset his bed in a moving ring this one pushing out a writ and that rumpling open a parchment deed and the other fumbling with his keys and extending his open palm for the garnish avaunt he had found out a charm to rout them all and they shan't now lay a finger on him a short and sharp way to clear himself and so i believe he had end of chapter forty four recording by john brandon